the number one emphasis for our program is always going to be player development. And the guys understand that our goal is their goal. We want them to reach the highest level they can play, want to play baseball as long as possible. And so first thing you got to do is you have to build a trust that shows that you care about them. And, and, you know, I send off a lot of text messages or emails that say love dense almost every day. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. On today's show, I welcome Steve Deneman, head baseball coach at Sinclair Community College. His 2019 season was another record-breaking year for the Tartan Pride. Sinclair won 50 games for the third time in school history and once again won the OCCAC. The OCCAC title would be their ninth in the last 11 seasons, and overall, they finished 51-10 and 10 with a 27-1 record in the OCCAC. In the past six years, Sinclair is second in the country in wins with 293. In his 12 seasons as head coach, Deneman's teams have averaged over 40 wins a season, and he sent over 100 players on to four-year schools. 64 of those who have moved on to the Division I level, including eight from last year's team. On the show, Steve shares with us what he has learned as the head coach at Sinclair for the past 12 years, what it takes to maintain the team culture with young players constantly coming and going, and what he looks for in players and coaches. You're going to love this episode. And here is Steve Deneman. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I've been looking forward to our conversation for a while, and I love the backdrop. That is that is a great feature to have. And yeah, it's uh, we're in athletics here at Sinclair. We're like in a dungeon. We're like uh-huh. in a cave. So okay. um, reception service isn't very good. So instead of using my office cubicle, I use the conference room, which has this sign that's a little bit wrinkly, but it's uh, seeing better days. So no, it gives me some kind of backdrop. No, it looks good. It looks a lot better than yeah. Jet, Jet's room that we've got here. I've got a couple. We're, so we're live from Jet's room nice, with a couple of a uh, couple of pictures. You know, yeah, a giraffe, that's a nice a giraffe room. and a lion. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Gira- giraffes are important. My daughter loves giraffes. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about you a little bit and talk about Sinclair and and the program that you are consistently building uh, upon each year. But my, I guess before we get started, I what is a tartan? A tartan, that's a great question. So on recruiting visits, we usually let people know what a tartan is. It's a question that comes up. So uh, David A. Sinclair is the founding father of Sinclair Community College. College is over 125 years old. They grew up in the 130s now. Okay. And he was Scottish heritage. And so the tartan is a plaid. It's like a stitching. And so um, we're actually the tartan pride is the mascot and the pride being a pack of lions. So our mascot is a lion and a Celt. Uh, I've had worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's where colors are scarlet and gray, which is a, a fan of the team in Columbus that works really well for me. But, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I've tried to incorporate like a tartan plaid in uniforms, you know, all those camo uniforms are pretty popular for a mm-hmm. while. And, you know, we have the, 
uh, the military uniforms. I tried to Wilson to design a, a tartan uniform. It just didn't look very good. So uh, maybe start small, maybe something in the stirrups down the road. But yeah, we're a, we're a plaid, we're a stitching. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I, I, so as I was doing some research, I think that that may be the most unique name that I've come across. And are you guys the only tartans in the country? You know, I haven't looked at that. Um, we're probably pretty close. I can't right. imagine there's too many out there. So, um, but I, I like to embrace the whole Scottish heritage thing. You know, mm-hmm. when we come to our, our ballpark, the first song played every time is the theme from Braveheart. And, oh, nice. You know, we got we got the William Wallace sword in the dugout and stuff. Cool. Uh, not a real sword, replica <laughs> plastic. But uh, but yeah, so it's it's something where yeah, we're, we're definitely unique in that part of it. And um, you know, it's heart and pride. Definitely, I like that a lot. But. I want to get to know you a little bit better. So why don't you sure. just run through a short snapshot of how you decided to get into coaching and tell us a little bit about Sinclair. Sure. Well, I think that, you know, as far as my coaching path and why I want to be a coach, um, it's one of those things where, you know, we all have similar stories. We, I love playing sports. I played a lot of sports growing up, you know, every sport I could possibly play. And my parents would drive me around different places. And really I was just fortunate to have some really good people in my life that were coaches that, um, made me want to be a coach, made me want to see the impact they can make on young person's lives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it wasn't a family thing. You know, we didn't have a lot of coaches and, and uh, teachers in our family. You know, some families are all like my parents were teachers. My grandpa's right. parents were teachers. My mom taught a little bit before she started to, you know, raise a family of three. Um, my dad was always in and a lot of my family members were in leadership positions, which was unique. Uh, my dad was a, a plant manager at a, a bottle making company. We moved around a lot. Okay. Um, St. Louis, California, Chicago, and I just got to meet a lot of different people. And I think the one thing I took from him was, you know, as a leader of a, of a company or a business, uh, he was, he did a great job of, um, I guess you could say like not fitting in, but he just, people knew that he wasn't above them. He was one of the people like he was, you know, he had respect for everybody. Everyone respected him. I remember going to like company picnics where we younger, like six flags. And if you walked around and said, who's the boss here? No one probably could pick him out because he was never like above anyone else. Mm-hmm. He just was you know, the same kind of person and treated everybody the right way. So I, I took a lot of stuff he did as far as leader that way goes. Chris Wilmus was my youth baseball coach. Chris was a, was drafted out of Florida national, played some pro ball. His son, Pat is my best friend um, from St. Louis is where I lived the longest in my life. And uh, I played with them when I was younger. And then I was fortunate enough to move back to, to Lake St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was leaving from Naperville, Illinois, that was in high school. And in high school, uh, I was kind of done with baseball, to be honest. I was a big soccer guy. Oh, really? and, and I was in St. Louis is a big soccer town. So I'm like the only baseball coach in the country that likes soccer. So that's a rare <laughs> so. rarity for people. Yeah, I get I get a, made fun of a lot for that, but I don't care. But anyways, uh, Chris, uh, you know, I moved back in the same neighborhood, a different neighborhood with them. And he had a batting cage in his basement. And he really kind of gave me the passion again to play baseball and encouraged me to go out. And it was there where I ended up playing for Coach Steve Fun uh, at St. Dominic High School, who was a big influence for me. And then my collegiate coach was Mike Goldschmidt, who gave me my first uh, coaching job collegially to stay on here after I played two years at Sinclair and to be an assistant coach. My first actual baseball job was at Patterson Park. That's a local organization up here, youth baseball. And that was with Jimmy Chandler. And just, I remember my first time coaching was the summer, maybe my freshman or sophomore year was when guys were supposed to be playing. And I just really liked it. I liked the chance to make a positive impact in people's life. I like still being involved in the game. I like those competitive juices that you can't get in most jobs. I mean, right. I have a lot, a lot of friends that are very successful in their, their careers and uh, financially very successful, but 
you know, coaching and teaching, you know, just being, or just coaching in general, just being in those situations, you know, there's, there's juices that we get going all the time, just being on the field, being in uniform that they don't get to experience sometimes. And so I think I'm very fortunate to be able to put on a Jersey and do that. Um, now for my 12th year as head coach going to my 13th year. No, fantastic. And I, I love getting to see where people are coming from just because I, I really do think that it explains a lot of your different personalities and, and things that you're doing currently. And, and I love, I, I think most of us, you know, recording this right after Father's Day, we all have had an influence, <laughs> or at least for the most part, of the game of baseball by our dads. And so uh, that's a really yeah. cool, really cool story. I really like that a lot. And But I want to get into, you know, the player development aspect of what you guys are doing, because, you know, I to be honest with you, this is this is one of our few conversations that we've had. And I know you guys have been successful, but I want to know why. Sure. So let's let's kind of start in the fall, and I know this is the time of year that everybody's like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do different? I'm planning out the sure. next six months, right? Because it's the only free yeah. time we have in the next 12. And so uh, just talk to us about what you guys are going to be doing this upcoming fall and what would it look like for you? Sure. Well, the fall is definitely a very important part of any college baseball program. Uh, in junior college, it's extremely important. You know, We have uh, set up dates of usually middle of August to middle of October. Uh, we play a ton of, of games and scrimmages. Uh, there's not as much teaching that goes on. You know, we'll hit on some points here, but really it's about just evaluating our talent, see where we're at, because there's so many new faces every year. You know, you're bringing in 25, 30 new faces every single year, so you don't know what you have to see them play. Right. Uh, the fall for us is made up, again, of scrimmages, games. Last year we were fortunate because the new uh, NCAA rule, we played four Division One teams. Oh, cool. So that was a real good sample size for us. We played uh, Northern Kentucky, Miami of Ohio, Wright State, and then Kent State, which mm-hmm. is really cool for us. Uh, we have a, a scout day, which Prep Baseball Report runs our scout day, which is a really good opportunity for our guys. It's kind of cool because if you go to their PBR profiles, you have their high school, you know, kid with like no facial hair at all, looks like all a right. baby. And then you click on the tab for college, and he's like a grown man now and stuff. So it's <laughs> cool right. to see like the development that's happened with those guys. Uh, Puma classic is a big event at grand park, which is a huge facility in Annapolis, just outside of Annapolis, which is like a, a huge junior college recruitment event. We go to that every year. Mm-hmm. And then now, uh, PBR, since they've taken over Lake point down in Emerson in Georgia, they're doing like a big bash this, this fall too for junior colleges. So we're going that as well. We were okay. invited to be there. So, uh, it's, again, it's a chance to evaluate a uh, chance to compete amongst, amongst each other and then be seen by four-year schools and pro scouts. And really the goal for me at the end of it is to get a, again, a, a nice sample size. Uh, usually a position player gets about 40, 60 plate appearances. Okay. Pitchers throw about seven or eight times live. And so that right there for the, the 60 plate appearances is, is more than high school kids in Ohio get in the senior season. Right. So, you know, especially evaluating gets our arms and gives us kind of a starting point to see where guys are at. You know, if a guy has really high quality of bats in the fall and leads the team, then he probably is trending in the right direction to play a lot for us. Mm-hmm. If a guy is struggling in the fall, then he's got some work to do. Um, you know, in the winter time, we'll have some more games before the season starts, but yeah, the fall is a, a huge part for us. You know, we really enjoy, you know, meeting the new guys building some of the team chemistry and just, uh, just having a chance to be able to, to fail. And it's okay. You know, we're, we're trying to get better and learn from things and it's a wide opening or eye opening experience for some guys too, as far as like the weekly schedule, how that looks too. So while you're on it, you know, what does the weekly schedule look like? I know you, you mentioned sure. that you guys are playing a ton of games, but especially to get you know, high school to college is a big jump, and how and, it, and the schedule is. is completely completely different because now you you may have morning classes and not have anything afternoon. You may not have classes on Tuesday with Thursday. You know, and sure. So, uh, how do you guys get them? You know, indoctrinated into what you guys are trying to do and the culture and things like that. Sure. 
it's a process, especially the younger guys. You know, we do have some four two four transfers that come from Division One schools or any other school, and they're used to obviously the grind of the fall season and what's going on. But uh, typically for us, we're going to lift two three times a week, so that's like an like an in season fall lift. Uh, that's very different from most guys. You know, some guys it's, it's tough to handle right away. You know, we don't go in there and just just start throwing weights around. Obviously, there's a plan for it, but just mm-hmm. lifting during the season. There's still some guys in high school that haven't done that before. And so we're lifting two, three times a week. We're probably practicing anyway from five to six times a week with an off day built in um, individuals once or twice a week. We'll break down with our coaching staff and do some defensive development or, you know, you know, offensive development, whatever. And then um, again, just the scrimmages and games, usually every Friday and Saturday, we're doing something uh, competitive okay. uh, with our, with our team or against other teams. So uh, the, the inner squads themselves, you know, inner squads can get stale after a while. There's a time period. That's why it's nice to play those division one teams and play some other faces. But I just can't tell guys, I, I too, I'll tell them how valuable it is to have those opportunities. You know, when you look back in the spring and you're wondering why you're not playing as much, you know, this is what you did in the fall. This is what you did in the winter. So everything here in this program is earned. Uh, there's a communication back and forth. You know where your role is and stuff. So you, you just have to be ready for fall baseball and know the importance of it. But it is an adjustment period. And, you know, we've had some really good student athletes recently. Mm-hmm. That was something different when I first started. First started, everyone called me as you know junior college. We have a 2.0 guy and he's, he's a guy for you. I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, now we have like guys with 30 ACTs, you know, we had an average of 24 in last recruiting class. So those guys are more equipped to handle the academic and athletic part of the fall baseball, you know, playing games and doing the, doing the schoolwork. But the nice thing is our fall semester is 16 weeks long. The first eight weeks is during our fall season. And then we have eight weeks uh, from October to end of the, till Christmas break, which is our individual portion. And that's, that's the B term base, the last eight weeks of the semester. So a lot of guys are able that if they were struggling or behind, they're able to catch up a little bit and they have some more time because, you know, that's only about an hour in the morning of weights an hour afternoon of baseball. There's more time to get some stuff done academically. So it's adjustment period. And I think that my advice for any student athlete going the fall is just be ready to go and keep your mouth shut and go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be the guy. I see those tweets a lot, which are pretty funny. I wish more people would read them. It's like, you know, just don't go in there telling people how great you were and right. you know, what you accomplished because because no one cares, um, right. especially at the four-year school when there's seniors and juniors look at you like you, you've done nothing. But <laughs> our guys are very similar in age. It's just always better to let your your play do the talking mm-hmm. and let people find out what kind of player you are. So, no doubt, no doubt. And I think that you know one of the one of the things that a lot of people are talking about uh, in the last couple of years is culture or the different or the environment that you're trying to create and I know that a lot of people talk about it, but it's really hard to define, you know, what it is and how you go about building that process. Because I think if, if it were an easy process, most people would do that. But I sure. think that it shows up all over the place. So whenever I ask, you know, what are, what are some things that you do to build your culture or to, to uh, adjust the environment and, and the way that you want it to be run, you know, what comes to mind? Sure. Junior college is definitely a, a different animal. It's very challenging. Again, we're constantly bringing in new faces. We have guys here for one semester. We have guys here for one year. We have guys here for two years. Some schools have guys for three. I try to avoid that. We get them to graduate and get them out of here, but there's certain circumstances will take a guy a little longer. But so we're constantly changing faces and changing personnel. And so, you know, I think it really, it's the expectations of the program. You know, the guys, you know, one of the things in our coaching philosophy says that teamwork is nothing more than everybody made you trust success. Because everyone comes here for selfish reasons. You know, you want to go to this school and that school, and he wants to go there and there. And so um, we all have the same goals. 
Uh, I think Hunter Hughes, one of our outfielders this year, uh, outfield first baseman, had a, a good uh, video series. We did uh, preseason videos. Marketing department did a good job of interviewing some players and talking about things. And, and he was a four-two-four guy, came from a Division One school, but just kind of said, "Everyone's here for the same reasons. They're all just getting after it, trying to get better, improve themselves on and off the field, you know, to get recruited." And and then just you know, they everyone buys into the program. What we're trying to do as far as like team goals go. You know, the expectations there are set in stone. You know, every year we want to win a conference championship. We want to win a regional. We want to compete to win a national championship. And that's never going to change. So I think the previous guys have built up the standards and the expectations from uh, you know, every year. They've, they've left a legacy. And now we're at a position where guys step foot in this campus, they know exactly what's expected of them. And uh, we're going to treat this like, any, like a Division One program or a high-level program. And so that way, when you leave here, you're very prepared for the next step. And if you ask the four-year schools that have recruited our guys, I think all of our guys are very prepared for what's next academically and athletically and what it's going to take to be successful at the next level. So, uh, you know, I think I, people would say we have a positive culture and I think it just comes from the winning and success we've had. And then the standards that guys, you know, live up to knowing why they come here and, and that we're going to do everything we can to help them find you know, another school and, and work for them. You know, if guys work for us, and, and they put all the work in, you know, regardless of the outcomes in the field, I'm still going to love them like a, a son. They're going to be part of my family forever. And, um, you know, they know that they know that they just got to put the work in and we'll help them every, any way we can. So, well, you, you've got the added, you know, bonus of, and I, I think that the, this is really tough for junior college coaches is you've got, you may have them for one year. You may have them for a semester. You may have them for two years. You may get sure. one guy for, that came from a four-year school and get him for, you know, a couple of months. But, you know, I, that is, that's got to be a really tough, tough to have something that's consistent, I guess. I, or, I mean, I, it's just, yeah. it's something that it's, it's tougher than most of us. Cause I'm looking at our guys thinking, well, we'll at least have them four years, you know, sure. or, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, the four-year, four-year schools are usually going to have those guys for at least three. You may not have them for more than a semester so how does that process work and, and how, I mean, I, I guess what I'm asking is I know it's hard. So how do you do it? Sure. Again, it's a lot of, it's intentional, you know, sure. as far as what we're doing, you know, whether it's team chemistry, you know, that's you know, something we don't just let happen. We try to, you know, create some team chemistry opportunities, a lot of community service events around each other. Um, we do something every year. It's just easy. It's from, remember, remember the Titans, you know, as far as having those one-on-one -on -one meetings with guys and stuff, remember mm -hmm. that movie. And they all, so I've been doing that ever since I started where okay. we'll have set time with, with set questions, all randomized questions I got from a question book one year, and, and they'll sit down and talk to each other, just get to know people and, okay. you know, get a, get a little feel, a feel for their teammates. Um, but you know, it's just, it's something you have to do here because if you just let it chance, everyone, you know, everyone wants to play, you know, guys come to junior college too. A lot of there's misconception that, I'm coming to junior college. So I can play every day. Well, that's not necessarily how it works. As you right. know, it's very competitive everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. It's more or less, you have a better opportunity to see the field mainly because you're with freshmen, sophomores, and you know, you're just, you're physically, you're pretty similar to most of those guys. So it's a greater opportunity to see the field, but again, it's still very competitive and still going to be earned. Um, but I think this, the, the, the standards we have, the core values we have, uh, our core values are SCCB, which is sacrifice, uh, confidence and our confidence comes from preparation not outcomes. And I talk about that a little bit more with mental game stuff, character and brotherhood. And those were created maybe the first two years I was here. And that's just what guys understand what we're, what we're all about as those core values and those principles. And so 
I don't, I don't spend a ton of time on it. They just know when they come here, this is what standard is, what we're going to do. And, mm-hmm. and they've lived up to it. You know, we've had some really great players. That's why we had so much success. I mean, we have a great coaching staff, which I know we'll dive into probably a little bit later, but just the players we've had some really good student athletes that have done a good job for us and represent the school very well. Oh, I love it. Well, you mentioned competition and I always perk up when I hear competition because I'm always looking for different things to do just because players love to compete. They really do. And especially anytime that we can make something competitive in practice, they're going to, they're going to get better. And so you mentioned that you guys compete on Fridays, but just, we can talk about that or we can just talk about how you guys are going about competing on a daily basis. Sure. Well, I think the competition, you know, obviously the games you're competing when they're when you're playing games, it's a competition thing. But as far as when the practices go, most of our competition comes from like the preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to, you know, to example, in individual sessions, an individual season, we're trying to develop a skill and work on skill acquisition. Like there's not really not competition phases there because we're really trying to just get better and learn. And we want guys to be conscious of what's going on and feel what's going on. Uh, it's when we get in a situation where, you know, we're preseason mode and now, it's you've already done all the work. Like you've prepared, you switched to unconscious mode. You just react. Now I want you to compete and see how many barrels you can get or, you know, exit Vila, how hard you can have baseball, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I think when you're in that, uh, that, that development phase and individuals, and if you are putting, uh, competitions in, I don't think the guys are actually going to be work, worried about developing worried about competing. Sure. And so we, we kind mm-hmm. of, in, in the fall, maybe a little bit here and there with different things and activities and the individuals, not really at all. And then preseason mode, you know, I know Coach Parr, my pitching coach, Mike's an absolute dude, does a great job. And, you know, one of the things he does is he'll do competitive bullpens. I'm sure he's developed that with different resources and coaches he met along the way. But I don't really know what goes on their side of the field house. I kind of let them do their own thing. And he's he's in full control of the pitching staff. And that's probably why they've been so good. But I know guys will come back and pass me on the offensive side. Like, yeah, I just won the World Series. I'm like, what? And I guess that's one of the standards. If you if you throw them in this many strikes or this many quality pitches, you okay. you win the World Series or you're a national champion or guys like, hey, I'm going to Enid. So I know awesome. they're doing stuff on that side of the thing with competition. As far as on the offensive side of things and stuff that I'm more more involved in, we do we do barrel charts sometimes. We do some station work. So we'll have a chart for each station. Each group will have a barrel chart and Caleb Swisher, student manager, will keep track of the barrels. And, and at the end of the day, let me know who has the most barrels in those stations. So it forces guys to, again, try to you know focus on the drills we're doing. Exit velo games and competitions, you know, based on that different exit of those guys. But you have to scale it back as well. You know, I have a guy on my team named Mike Sears. Mike will be a sophomore. And Mike had 19 home runs last year as a freshman. That's pretty good. And, and his uh, his exit velo is, is 95 plus. And so... You know, if we're playing a game and it's like, if you hit it over 90, it's a double or triple, then every ball Mike hits is going to be an extra base hit. But I think mm-hmm. it's finding that his average and like saying, oh, this will be a home run. This will be a triple and double just for the other guys too, because we'll have some middle infielders a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. And, you uh, we always tell them and it's, it's not really knock, but it's, we have a lot of guys that have maybe a division three body with division one talent. We need to you know, get better physically. Sure. And so that guy might be like an 82 mile hour exit velo guy. So I couldn't say, okay, uh, double is at 89 and he's never gonna touch that. So it's gotta be something to have a chance to be successful in too. So we'll scale that down. Um, and then the last thing I think we do for competition, and, uh, this is something we got from Brian Kane we'd used before, but this is just a, our process based scrimmage. Yeah. And so it goes through, we do our scrimmages, especially the indoor ones, because we'll play live games in our field house before the season, which gives guys another 20 to 30 plate appearances before we have to go down to Georgia or Tennessee. But it, instead of just saying, okay, the final score is five to one or six to two, mm-hmm. is there's points for everything. And the final score could be 211 to 195. Sure. And so Caleb, a couple of red shirts, keep it. 
Um, you know, something like you know, double plays plus four, you know, no freebie inning is plus four as a pitcher, win the three, two battle, one, two battle, you know, positive attitude, um, just different things like that. Uh, they're on the sheet. I think that's a way just to, again, focus on the process more. And, and, and these guys get competitive with that too. When you look at the score and you see it's you know, 195 to 186. Now guys are sprinting off the field because that gets you a point. They're doing little things like that, um, which we want them to do anyways. So. Oh, I like that. And I like that. Again, anytime that we can add a point system to something that, that we are really, that we make important, it makes it important to them because sure. if it's important to us, it should be important to them. But at the same time, it's just that added layer of, oh, I get a point for sprinting on and off the field or going and getting a foul ball without me having to yell at somebody to go get it. I really like that a lot. And you've talked a, a couple of times about the mental game and building relationships with your players. And again, you have a really short time to do that. And sure. so what, what, what do you, you talked about your core values, which I really, really like, but, mm -hmm. uh, and we can go in more into that if you want to, but I want to know just how are you getting to know your players? You talked about spending time with them. I really like that. And I think that that is, has to be number one. We have to have an sure. open relationship with them and we have to spend time with them, but what are some different ways that you prepare them w with the short amount of time that you have to, you know, go out and win their future? Sure. Well, you know, I think that, you know, the, the number one emphasis for our program is always going to be player development. And the guys understand that our goal is their goal. We want them to reach the highest level they can play. We want to play baseball as long as possible. And so, you know, first thing you got to do is you have to build a trust that shows that you, you, know, you, that you care about them. And, mm -hmm. you know, we do care about our players. We tell them that a lot. And, you know, I send off a lot of text messages or emails that say love dense. And uh, I haven't actually, people haven't really responded to it much. They just kind of let it go. It's just part of me sending a text message out saying, I love you almost every day. But uh, the player development phase is, is a big part of it. And, you know, the, the team building stuff, I'll give you an example. And, and one thing I thought of this year is I want to do more like weekly uh, lunches with players. I want to meet players more if I have an opportunity to. And, and so I was talking with a couple of different coaches about what they do. And, you know, my goal was like once a week, I'm gonna have lunch with you or lunch with just meet people just outside of their element, just get to know them Excuse me a little bit. And then I found out, you know, coach Guggins, uh, Scott Guggins, who's at Cincinnati when he was at Xavier, they used to like a cafe Friday deal. And so that cafe Friday was like a calf Friday, which was lunchtime. Everyone in the can goes have lunch together just to build those relationships with those team things. So that's something I'll probably try to do this year and implement that. I think it's pretty cool. But just spending more time with them. And as you know, as coaches, we spend more time with, you know, the, our team sometimes more than our own families. And uh, it takes a lot of sacrifice from families as well. But I'm very supportive. I have a very supportive wife who understands that and gets that. But being around them as much as possible, trust them. And then the, the whole development program that we have here, it kind of hits on everything. You know, as a total person. Um, and we want to make sure we hit on everything. So this is kind of, you know, what we do. Uh, as far as different things, I'm not sure if you can see that or not, but yeah. so the player development and we hit, it starts with, you know, again, focus on them, helping them be on the good on the field. Sports nutrition is a big part of it. Okay. So I think that's the next big phase for big time programs and players is Absolutely. the nutritional aspect of it. And I was fortunate enough, uh, coach Jeff Mercer and the Indiana's head coach, Jeff, um, I've known Jeff for a long time and you know, I knew when he was a player at, at Dayton and at Wright state. And I've known him when he was assistant coach at Wright state and mm -hmm. He spent his master's program, I think, Ohio Northern on sports nutrition. And so we've had a lot of players go play at Wright State and have success because it's a great program and they're constantly in regional tournaments. And sure. But I've seen him transform guys' body with, bodies with sports nutrition. I mean, guy, we had a shortstop who 
I thought would never, ever see a six pack in his life. A little bit chubbier <laughs> and stuff. Went over there senior year. He's starting every day for the Raiders and he's got, he's cut. And yeah. so I've seen him transform guys' bodies. And so we're fortunate. Jeff gives us all his stuff for sports nutrition and we share that with all our players. And so the guys that buy in get success, have success. You know, we've had back to back years of a, a pitcher being one and done, you know, a division one scholarship and leave. And both of those guys put on 15, 20 pounds from the mm-hmm. fall to the spring. You know, they bought in, everything was planned. You see them walking around with bags of almonds and nuts and just different snacks throughout the day and counting their calories and using my fitness pal. So, but sports nutrition is big in the player development phase, our strength and conditioning program. You know, we've used uh, both athletics a few years now. Yeah. So it's company based at Seattle has some strength coaches build these programs and we kind of adapt it. We don't have a strength coach on campus. What we do is we end up finding someone to work with our student athletes, usually like a former player from Wright State or Dayton or someone who wants to just be involved and has a background in, in, in strength conditioning. Uh, and then I just fundraise like a stipend for them. So we've done that for the last four years, had four different guys, but you know, they have a say in what goes on with that and strength conditioning. But you know, in a perfect world, we'd have some money that was there all the time, like some schools do, but in junior college, you have to be creative. And that's where Volt comes in. It's definitely something to take a look at if someone is looking for a strength coach because mm-hmm. it's interactive. It's on their phone. You can make adjustments to it. And instead of saying, hey, Jonathan, here's a piece of paper and go fill it out. And right. you know, you look at the paper and there's smiley faces on it and check marks and they know what they actually lifted. Mm-hmm. This keeps track of things, lets us uh, kind of analyze it a little better. FMS testing, functional movement screening. So we do that with our whole team. Spencer Defner, our trainer, who's top-notch. He's from Kettering Sports Medicine. Spencer will give each player their own little packet of information as far as what their, where their weaks and strengths are, excuse me, weaknesses and strengths, and then uh, what they need to improve on. So if someone has you know, poor hip flexion or whatever they have, these are some stretches you can do to improve that because when we get to that mid-October and we start lifting four times a week, it gets a lot tougher. We want guys to be able to make sure they're not going to be you know, prone to injury. We'll mm-hmm. make sure guys are okay with that. Athletes in action is our home field, uh, Grady's field in Xenia, Ohio. So this is going to be our 11th season now there, which we're very fortunate to play out there. It's a first class facility. It's all field turf. It's a great place to play, but they also give us a team chaplain. So we have a team chaplain that comes out and gives guys an opportunity to work on their spirituality. If that's something they're interested in doing Mm -hmm. Probably about 10 to 12 guys meet with them weekly. Uh, the guy we have this last couple of years named Jared Wellman and Jared does a good job with our guys. Other things, as far as that, we have a leadership council, usually three, uh, Two, three freshmen, three sophomores. I've done it before. Guys have applied to be on it. I've done it before. We've interviewed players. There's been votes. Just kind of randomized different ways of doing it. I really found the best way to do it, I would say. But those guys kind of become the voice of the team, not so much the captains, but we'll talk. We have a meeting. We start the meeting off, and then we don't talk about people's names. We'll talk about, again, how things are going right now, what's this, what's going well, what's not going well, what needs to improve on, and then just come up with ideas. And then throughout their tenure that year, those guys will partake in like a leadership development with me. Well, I'll give them like a manual or a packet we'll go through to make sure I'm helping them develop as leaders um, on top of obviously, you know, you know, them, you know, working and leading our program mm-hmm. uh, and then different programs in the individual phase. We've done you know, some bat speed trainers with drive lines, some, uh, some plyo work and more of arm care and stuff. So mm-hmm. just all those different things from the development side. And then as far as the mental game goes, we're big in the sports psych. We've been that way since I started, that was kind of like my aha moment was when I first started coaching, I was assistant coach here for coach Goldschmidt. My first ABCA convention was in Chicago, maybe in 2005. I'm not sure a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I saw Ken Revisa speak and it just blew me away. And sure. I was like, what is this? What is the mental game? And so I bought heads up baseball like the next day, or maybe right. even there. I read it as my first book I ever read cover to cover. 
and, and now there's heads up baseball too, obviously. And, and Ken has recently passed away, which is, which is sad because he was such a big influence on so many people, but, but we'll do mental game stuff with him, Brian Kane stuff, Andy McKay, um, Springer, those guys that come here, our players that come here to understand that that's a big part of what they're going to do. They're going to work on their mental game. It's going to be a big part of, of their development. And they see guys that we have, we have guys in pro ball, um, affiliated baseball that came from this program, guys at top level uh, programs, and they use the mental skills and, and there's no reason why the other people wouldn't use it as well. So we teach a lot of those skills and that's throughout the whole year. Uh, they do journaling as well. Uh, they do journaling that I check weekly or bi-weekly depending on the season. It's kind of write their thoughts down and uh, it's total buy-in from the mental game side. You know, if you look at our track record, you know, I think that's why we've been so consistent is teaching the mental skills. I've never been thrown out of a game before. That doesn't mean I don't argue or get upset. I'm a very passionate person and maybe sure. too excitable sometime, but I know what I can and can't control. So I'm able to move on to the next pitch and, and our guys understand what it takes to play the game one pitch at a time. Uh, we have a toilet in our dugout. We flush away the bat at bats and toilet also works as flush away and good at bats. You know, if a guy has a home run the first inning, we've had players understand that doesn't help them win the seventh inning. So they get rid of it after they celebrate and move on to the next pitch. So but just the mental skills, those are important. Academic support here is phenomenal. State tables, tutors. We have progress sports. I do all the academic advising for all of our guys. So I build okay. like 40 schedules, which is a lot. I'm still working on that right now. Um, and then even the last thing from the development standpoint and just the resources is Excel accessibility services, which used to be known as disability services. That's a huge key now moving forward with, with any level um, because of how how many players, you know, have issues where they want to see someone counseling services? You know, I think that every year we've gone up with players seeking counselors, you know, 10 to 12. And I'm, I'm talking to buddies at different colleges and places across the country and everyone's dealing with it. I mean, kids have so many things going on in their lives with, with social media and, you know, the way everything is so accessible now. We have so many guys that go through a depression mode and, you know, relationships or anxiety and at Sinclair, we're able to provide them with those resources that are they're so valuable for them. So, um, but that would say with all the stuff that we do development, it's a lot of things that we give our guys. We want to make sure they're completely rounded. XBAT has a special offer for our listeners. The XBAT Speed Trainers, powered by Driveline Baseball, are a revolutionary bat speed training system that utilizes a mix of overload and underload weighted training bats to promote bat speed, power, and precision hitting. This month, Axe released their newest training bat, the Axe Long Trainer. The Long Trainer is a 37-inch, 37-ounce training bat that helps high school, college, and pro hitters improve their bat path and increase bat speed. It comes with data-driven training programs from Driveline Baseball for in-season and off-season development. Go to axebat.com and use our code AOTC at checkout to save 10% on your purchase of Axebat training products including all of the Axbat speed trainers and wood bats. Axbat, your fastest swing starts now. No, I really like that a lot. And I, I, I think that you are doing an absolutely fantastic job of building the entire ball player. And you can see why you have had uh, such success on the field as well as, you know, off the field as well. But anyway, so I would, I, I want to talk about how you personally develop coaches. And sure. so I, I know that you're a younger guy and I'm sure that this has been a process that, that, well, I, let me get into that in a little bit later because you started sure. as, as such a young head coach and I want to definitely pick your brain about that. But, 
you know, from an assistant uh, standpoint, I am always looking for opportunities to grow and learn and develop myself. And I mean, I I think that most coaches are doing that as well. So as the head coach of an entire program who works alongside with your assistants, how are you helping them to develop into the best coach that they want to be, whether that's a great assistant coach or a head coach someday? Sure. I think the first thing is you have to be a member of the ABCA. I mean, you have yeah, to be in and that organization is just top notch when it comes to development, education. And, you know, I think all of us are lifelong learners. We're always trying to find ways to improve ourselves, which obviously will help improve our players. So, you know, that's that's the the foremost or the, the first thing we have to do is, is is be members there. Our staff's very unique because I'm the youngest person on the staff. Okay. Um, and I and I've been the youngest for a while now for the most part. I've had a with assistant coach a few years back, um, was younger than me, but Really, uh, we have a lot of guys with different experience. We have a uh, guy who played in the big leagues, the first round draft pick. We have a couple guys that played Division One. Um, one guy played Arizona, another guy played Old Dominion. Coach Parr, pitching coach who played with me here at Sinclair. And so we're just a wide, different kind of backgrounds and stuff. And so the expectations, too, of our coaching staff, you know, from a development standpoint, is we only have $2,000. We had $2,400 when I first started here. It was all our coaches' money, or assistant coaches. So when we first started, like, you could go coach third grade boys basketball and probably make more than coaching at Sinclair. Mm-hmm. And so it was very difficult for me to you know, find the coaches we needed you know, right away, but then also to expect them to do a lot and delegate a lot. You know, I still have some issues with delegating because I can't ask somebody to do something when, you know, they're making this much money or no money at all because, you know, they can't do it. They have families, you know, we're all part-time coaches too. No coach here is a, is a full-time coach. I don't get to wake up and be a baseball coach every day. Today I'm in dress pants and, and a dress shirt because not because I want to look nice for you, which is oh, part of it. Yeah, but I have to go work the call center and I have to go work my enrollment job. And so, but I mean, we we try to make sure that we're following different things. Podcasts are big. Obviously, we have assistant coaches that listen to podcasts, and this is one of them. And different podcasts where there's obviously good resources for coaches out there. So, but I mean, it's something where you know the networking is is important too when you're developing player or coaches. Um, I think my networking. I just been very fortunate to meet some of the right people at the right times and be in the right positions and the right situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Cooper was at Wright State and now at Penn State. You know, Coop was was getting Wright State going as I started at Sinclair, and I got to hang out with those guys and Greg Lovelady and all those guys in the staff. And uh, you know, through Coop, I was able to get involved with USA Baseball, which you know, anything in USA Baseball is, is by far like the greatest honor at all to, as a coach to be able to do something for them and. I've worked now, I'll be working my fourth task force here in a couple of weeks down in Arizona. And I think this not only is a great honor to do that, and I'm, I'm very proud to be a small part of that organization, but the people I've met in that organization are just unbelievable. I mean, the, the people that I've been involved with on task force, like they're guys, we have group chats, we talk about baseball stuff all the time. There's really high level coaches and just great people overall. I've been able to learn so much from them. So I think just networking, you know, keeping, uh, again, keep looking for resources to improve and develop. Um, but I, but I would rely on, I say that our coaching staffs here in the office work on development all the time. Those guys are working different jobs. They have the right. remodeling business or this going on. And so mm-hmm. it's mainly just me kind of, Hey, check this podcast out or Hey, check this out here. This is somewhere we're going to talk about as a staff a little bit, but it's just a different element. I haven't had to really um, groom anyone up or, or build anyone up because they, they have better experiences than I do, <laughs> you know, that they've had better playing experiences than me. They're older than me. And so um, I'm the worst player on the staff and I'm the youngest <laughs> player person on the staff. So, but yeah, it's just a unique situation here at Sinclair. Oh, that's a huge credit to you because I, you know, I think the more experience you have, you do earn, earn respect for having experience. And especially if sure. you're a younger guy and you've got that respect so, for so long, 
that I think that that's a credit to you and your growth as a coach and and uh, how you're continuing to grow on a daily basis. But uh, do you, so do you hire? I'm, I'm assuming you hire your own staff. Yeah, but um, sorry, I just sparked a, a something in my mind there. I always write down notes. I have like 15 pages of like notes I have to go through and evaluate and stuff. And okay. that just sparks something. I mean, it was good. Do I hire my own staff? Yes, I'm in charge of doing that fully. We haven't had guys change in a long, long time. Tom Bell has been 17 years now as our hitting coach infield guy. Mm-hmm. His twin brother, Terry, was was Dayton's volunteer for 20 years when their coaching staff changed at Dayton. Uh, it just wasn't a fit for him over there anymore. He's been with us for three. Uh, Matt Richter has been with us for four. Then Mike Parr, this is like his 10th or 11th season, is our, our pitching coach. As a full-time pitching coach, it's like his fourth season, but he was in the staff as well. So I haven't had to have those hiring processes where I'm bringing in guys and looking at resumes and evaluating. And part of it was because I, I really didn't feel like putting the ABCA post for a thousand dollar stipend <laughs> at one point um, to have some guys. So, but I think if, you know, if I was doing the hiring process or, or you know, trying to find the right people and have those resources, like if, if Tom Bell left tomorrow, like would I try to find somebody for that position? Absolutely. I think the first thing I would do is make sure that, you know, when I bring someone in, obviously they have um, had some success and, you know, they have some nice pedigree with some references, but that we have the same philosophies, um, like as far as how we're going to coach and what we're going to do, we don't have to actually think the same. And it's always good to have difference of opinion, which we do on our staff. That's why our staff works so well. We're all good friends. We're all able to tell everybody how we feel anytime. This is dumb. This is good. This works. This doesn't, mm-hmm. but just the philosophies of coaching. And I'll give you an example. Maybe about six, seven years ago, I, I interviewed for a position somewhere and I was surrounded by a great program and they're just, just a bunch of dudes that are, are coaching at high levels. And, you know, we're talking about different things and I ask them kind of like point blank, like, what do you guys think about like the mental game and those kind of things? Cause that's a really important part of, of me as a coach and my philosophy. And it really wasn't a priority at all. It wasn't something they ever talk about or do, you know, not even the point where I don't think they, some schools like, Oh yeah, we do mental skills and we bring a speaker in like, that's it. And so it doesn't really do anything anyways. But you know, after, you know, they told me that I kind of took a step back and I was like, I can't see myself being here. Like if that's not going to be important and that's an absolute for me, then it's not going to work. And I think that's what I would look for is to make sure our philosophies, you know, mirror up, I guess you could say, and, and we have the same you know, ideas for that stuff goes. But um, other than that, you know, references, checking out who they worked with, what those people have to say about them, obviously is a big thing. If we've worked before, you know, working at camps with guys that, like I said, USA baseball, there, there's a lot of guys I've worked with in that organization where I'm like, that guy would be an absolute dude to work with. Like I, I see him in, in the field. I see him in his element. He's in the dugout. He's asking questions. You know, the way he's able to evaluate guys, I've talked about evaluating players. So, you know, I think that just getting as much information as possible and, and anytime there's positions available, I know I was rumored for a job two or three years ago and I had like 25 emails to my email account for like people looking for jobs. Like, Hey, would you hire me? I'm like, listen, I'm not even I've been offered the job, <laughs> you know, it's cool that that's how it works. And I know there's a lot of interest and people want to work, you know, and, and, and the top level or whatever level it's going to be, but there's, there's a big process that goes into it. And I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, even when you find your buddies get different jobs, you know, you might be a good fit for them, but you might not be, you know, sure. location's a big part of it and what they're trying to do. And obviously what positions you teach and coach and, um, just what that person is looking for. But, I think that it's, it's something that I would definitely have to, uh, kind of build some things up having not done it as much, how the hiring process would work for us. So. Sure. Sure. Well, let's go ahead and skip to the spring. And mm-hmm. I just, I want to, I'm a practice pr- plan. Like I love looking at people's practice plans just to see, because we all have fairly similar time in a day. And I think sure. that 
the better coaches get the most out of their practices, and that's why their players are continually developing at a higher pace than some. Uh, so take us through what a typical practice plan looks like, and we can go in a ton of different directions, but I'm just going to let you run with it. Sure. Our practices are constantly changing, I would say. I actually, our softball coach, we talked uh, yesterday at a coaches meeting, and they just came back from the World Series. They've been really successful here, too. He's asking about, like, do we have, like, a plan and plan everything out? I'm like, we do, but it's never the same. And part of it is because with the part-time coaches, I don't know who's going to be here sometimes. And so I can, I can have this awesome practice plan. We're doing this, this, and this, and then only one guy shows up and that's not going to work. So usually every Sunday I try to get a feel for when guys are coming, you know, they, they do a good job of coming to games and stuff, but there's practice. I probably get those guys two, three times a week. They're not there every single day, with the exception of coach Parr, who's there every day. And so like first I had to plan that out uh, to start with, as far as like the practices go, it's varied a lot and it is changing. You know, I've had practices where we have, you know, every single time listed, this is what we're doing. Boom, boom, boom to a T I've had practices before where this is what we're doing and we're not leaving until we get it right. You know, today we're going to work on, you know, bunning and we're not going to stop until everyone knows what we're doing. We're just going to master this until everyone has a good feel for what's happening. And then I've had practices where I, some buddies have taught me like, just don't even write a time on them. Just write down five things you want to work on. And that's just a practice schedule. And so sure. I think everyone's schedule is different. I haven't found one that I love the best, but I, I, I like, I'm probably leaning toward the one in the third part where I just write down what we're going to work on that day and then, you know, try to get to it, but make sure that we're not just, just jumping through something if we don't get it. You know, I, I know that no one wants to spend an hour on, on bunt coverages and we shouldn't have to at this level, we should have a better feel for what's going on, but to make sure that we all understand what we're doing before we kind of move on, I think is important. Uh, not just try to do a bunch of little things and not be good at any of them. So um, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. And then for us in the winter time, uh, we we're in the field house a lot, obviously, because we're in Ohio. But uh, I want to say the first hour is open time, work on whatever you want to work on, offensive, work with a coach, what you want to do. And then we start a typical practice is about an hour of offensive workouts, an hour of pitching workouts. On the other side, we split up. And then we'll come together and do some team defense or team activity, or we will do um, individuals with your coaches and your positions and stuff. So that's pretty standard for us. And you know, that's, that's worked pretty well. So at this point, what's your BP setup look like? Pretty standard, nothing crazy. You know, it has to be intentional though. We have to write things out how we want to do things. I know that, um, for example, we have a lot of guys that are athletes. They play to multiple positions. And so just saying, okay, your group's hitting, your group's not, doesn't always work because they're not getting the, the most out of what they're supposed to be doing. So mm-hmm. if we have three groups, and, and Matt Meyer was a guy last year who actually played all nine positions. He's a stud as far as utility guy goes. But he really awesome. played right field, shortstop, second base the most. But what I would do is make sure when this group's hitting, when he's hitting, you know, the people that are his position are his position, and then they're rotating. So they're not having – four guys at shortstop or two guys in this position. So he's able to go and take live at bats off those, uh, from those different angles. Uh, usually I tell them every two or three pitches play live. You know, I, I don't have, everyone's different. Some guys are charting everything. Some guys are telling guys, get every ball you can. I really haven't get back set up and just play that next ball live and then get refocused and do it again. But BP is such a valuable time, not just for offensive work to work on some things, but uh, for defensive too. Uh, the biggest thing is you have to get rid of the pitchers at the college game. You have to just get them away as much as possible. So this year I, I made a, a chart. It was like the pitchers BP chart and the positions are like, we're over the fence, <laughs> left field line short like the, and just, and they had to sign up for each position. Uh-huh. And so they're fully away. Cause there's nothing worse than a center fielder trying to track a ball and he's going near the wall about to make catch. And also this pitcher like just catches it and you're like, come on, bro. Like get out of the way. So, but they understand yeah. that you know, they're not to do anything besides just stay in their position and 
you know, they don't like it very much, but you know, they're pitchers and that's kind of the way it works. So I gotcha. Well, you know, something that I have a little bit of experience in, but not a ton. And I like to hear what other people do. And that's, you know, at your after season meetings. So the mm -hmm. season's over and you know, you're meeting with every player or certain players. What do those look like for you? And what, what do you make sure that you hit? And especially, you know, guys moving on, I'm sure it's, Hey, thank you for everything that you've done. And this and sure. that, but especially for guys coming back, because you've got a long period of time before you see them again. We do. Yeah, the X interviews for us, it's it's a chance to obviously talk about what they've done this year uh, on and off the field, how their academics look. They match our, our requirements of a 2.5, and are they trending towards graduation? And we've had a 100% graduation rate the last three years, and we'll continue that every year that I'm here. But uh, just kind of let them know, you know, again, how they did, what we thought about them. And then uh, from there, the sophomores will fill out exit interview packet stuff and it gives them a lot of different questions to ask about the program, their experience. And then my athletic director takes information and we meet together and we go over. Now these are anonymous, so they don't put their names on them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as, as well as I think we've done as far as, you know, the program goes and how guys view the program. And they usually have one every year sneaks in where it's like just some, you get blinded by something. Cause you want those meetings to be like as open as possible, but some players feel more comfortable writing things down than telling you how they feel about different things. But yeah. this year was a hundred percent, not one issue with anyone, which is hard when you have 21 guys and there's some guys that didn't even play much at all. But the big thing is, you know, we always get a hundred percent or five out of five on honesty. You know, we're very honest with guys. I think we're, we're, they understand that, you know, what the role is going to be a lot. And we tell them what it is and we try to, you know, whether that's before the, you know, you know, fall starts and after the fall preseason, what the role is going to be. We even do one for conference play. Like, listen, conference play starting. This is our sample size. This is your role. You got to accept it, you know, or, or do something else. I mean, we need you to be in this role and be effective. And so um, there's not a lot of surprises, but I think the honesty helps out a lot. I always like seeing, they always get five out of five, sure. How much your coach cared about you or, you know, cared about your academic performance. Other things every now and then they can ding here and there. You know, that's, some of it's out of my control, some of it's in my control, but it just gives us a good starting point for my athletic director to kind of look, look and see what the pros and cons are and how we're doing with things. But, but yeah, I think the exit interviews are, are important. It's really good to have good feedback, positive and negative. We always kind of play a game with who these players could be because it's anonymous. So me and my assistant coach, like this could be that guy or that guy, <laughs> but you really, you really never know sure. uh, who they are unless they tell you. Some guys are right down like I love it and just write their name for fun, but. But I think that the proof is at our level, because they are leaving so quickly, we have 70, 80 guys show up to our alumni event in, in December. We do like an alumni Fantastic. softball event, which is awesome. And then our golf outing, a couple of alumni started a foundation for us, Athlete Ford Foundation. It's Trace Fowler and Dan Marsh. And they started this foundation during a golf outing for us. And that's been really successful too. So it's it's a it's a junior college with the doors revolving constantly, but we have had you know success in bringing players back and people that even though they're here for a short amount of time, you know, Pat McGuff was here for one year. He's on his third stint in affiliated baseball right now. And, you know, just recently on social media, he made a nice little big post again about how it was such a valuable part of his life being here for one year. Um, and it wasn't even as successful as he wanted to be, or we wanted to be, you know, he had a little injury and wasn't as, as good as he needed to be for us. And, and he knew that, and we wish he was going to be better, but he wasn't, but just the experience of being here was a very positive one for him. And that's what we're trying to create. We want guys to leave here knowing that, you know, this is a great place and help them get their own to go to. And just a part of that journey to help them reach their destination. So. Sure. So just off the top of your head, cause I, I'm not sure if you know all of the different things on your questionnaire, but what are some different things that you guys ask them to fill out for you? 
you know, the first was like a rating system. that's like one to five on different things like strength to schedule, uh, strength conditioning, coaching staff. And then it's like, what are those strengths of the coaching staff, weaknesses of the staff? Uh, you know, what they like best about this? What they not like about it? Our, our mental game, we do a program, Brian Kane had a program called the pride program, personal responsibility and daily excellence. It's got an outline. There's video series. It's a lot older now. So like, there's some videos on there where guy, our guys are like, what is this? Like <laughs> dumb and there's like a bunch of dumb and dumber clips and stuff, which they should know that, but they Absolutely. don't. Um, and so I took the pride program this year and kind of made it more uh, condensed and took out a lot of different things. And so there was still an outline element involved, but uh, just asked him how, what a different, you know, was it better freshman year or sophomore year? What your th- thoughts were and just try to pick their brain out as much as possible that we did as in this program. Uh, to help us get better. And, and there'll be sometimes things like, Hey, you know, as a staff, we think you guys need to c- communicate more with each other. You know, they don't know. Sometimes I've had some pitchers before and I know their pitchers cause they're able to put down, they put down what position they played in like at their first two year guy or one year guy. So we get a little information there, but um, you know, I think the staff should talk more about pitching changes and you know, everyone, or I think the pitching coach should do this. And like, well, you know, he actually does like yeah. we all meet together and we're always talking together as a staff. I'm the one that makes the final decision. I tell them those things, but you know, I go to coach Parr. We have a plan at before every single game. We write down, you know, this guy's short relief, long relief. This is what I think the plan should be moving forward in the game and pitch counts. We're going to throw guys. So he has a big say in those things. And just like Tom Bell, our hitting coach, we'll sit down and do a lineup together and talk about different things and, and write down, you know, different ideas, but everyone is there to make the decision, you know, then ultimately as a head guy, I make the final call. But uh, I always think those are funny because I'm like, yeah, well, we do. And we we talk to each other a lot. So, Yep, definitely. Well, I've got some lightning style questions for you. And, sure. you know, we can take as much time as you want, but they're, you know, just a little bit shorter questions and just to get to know you a little bit better before we sure. let you off the hook. But my first one is that a lot of our listeners are, are assistant coaches looking to be head coaches someday. So what advice would you have for maybe somebody who's now starting their first year or for assistants who want to be head coaches someday? No, do a good job where you're at is always a big one. You know, I've seen different things. I think there was a guy recently on your show that said like, make whatever you're at big time, mm-hmm. like, you know, make it big time for you. And I think that the thing I've always told people is, you know, surround yourself with good people. Good thing will happen. Good things will happen. So that's always my goal is to make sure I'm surrounding myself with good people. I've done that my whole life. And, and that's been able to help us, you know, have success and, and good things that happen. So make sure you're in a place where you can get better and you have a chance to develop and improve. And then, you know, make sure that your goals, um, align with what we're doing. So that's a big thing with the hiring thing too, is what are your goals for coaching? What do you want to do? And then knowing what those goals are again, my guys don't have goals to be this, this, and this, they just like to do it, you know, what the other jobs they have. But if I was somewhere where we had people that like my goal is to be the head coach of this program or that program, you know, make sure that this is a place that can help you evolve and get better. Mm-hmm. And, um, these people can, you know, assist with your ultimate dream or your goals that you want to achieve as a coach. I love it. So what's uh, the latest thing that you've learned that's gotten you really excited? Uh, latest thing that I've learned has got me excited watching baseball and watching different things. I like college world series. Now we're watching in my house. We watch college baseball every Thursday night in the sec. You like know, it. that's like a, a staple for us. Cause we usually play conference games Friday and Saturday. And so Thursday night baseball is on there. So I'm always trying to watch what their coaches are doing and stuff. And we've had an offensive system for years where we've, we've called out numbers. And so I have like seven different cards. They switch and rotate. You can't pick it. I can't even go back to giving signs anymore. Like it's impossible for me because 
we had like seven or eight different kinds of steals. Right. And so I, I couldn't tell someone how to do steal on the balance or steal, make sure he goes to the plate, kind of like a hit and run where I don't want you to get picked or steal no matter what. If he slide steps, we're just going, we're going to pitch, whatever else. But I saw um, Michigan and, and Coach Backage doing uh, a number system and, and doing what our pitching coach does, which is giving numbers on his hand, like, you know, one, four, three, or whatever else like that. And it got me thinking maybe that's something I should be doing a little differently. Not so much because he's doing it, but instead of yelling every single time and screaming numbers out, which, you know, some guy can't hear me and that's a problem. Maybe this is a better way to be more effective is just doing the, the, the number system and changing it up. So I'll probably look at that a little bit and see, I did buy an led board this last year, this huge board where I can like plug in soccer numbers, like substitutions, like one of those boards. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I can put like number 45 and then press it. So you can see it and you can't miss that from anywhere. And we don't have too many games where it's that loud where I would need it. I think maybe in the World Series a couple of years ago, playing any of the host team, that was a pretty loud environment, kind of like an NCAA regional mm-hmm. where I probably could have used it. But I think just watching him do things and, and even when he spoke at the ABCA, he's just, a, you know, obviously an incredible coach and, and does a real good job there. And they're still winning and doing well. But maybe just kind of revisit how we do our offensive signs, because I think maybe there's a, maybe a way to be more effective. I like that. I like that a lot. That wasn't very lightning. Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. What's something that you guys do in practice that your players love? Well, I think we, for like a reward games, we play handball, okay. which is just, you know, just handball. It's running around and scoring goals. Yeah. They love it. They love competing. It's that and shirts and skins. And mm-hmm. so that's one they usually get excited about. Now we've had one player like break his finger doing it. So we got to put down some rules and regulations and we use a weighted ball, a medicine ball. So it's obviously some strength training as well, but we can't have pitchers rearing back and throwing as far as they can with this ball. So we got to like have some rules behind it, but that's one they usually get excited about. And then really anything where the pitchers are involved offensively, that gets them excited. Mm -hmm. So if we're doing like 27 outs or a ground ball scrimmage, I let the pitchers hit uh, every odd inning or even inning. Like those guys go up there with like their batting gloves and you know (laughs) someone else's bat. And they think they're really good. And uh, if we do, if we do ground ball scrimmage, like they have to get ground balls because we're obviously trying to work on something in the infield. And you know, we'll have a guy who was hit ball, the outfield, have to go chase it. But he's like, it's well worth it. Just try to hit a ball, the outfield to show I can go yard. But um, right. pitchers in college, especially the guys that aren't dual, they're always just fun to be around and we give them BP when they throw shutouts. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. Like, Oh, pitcher BP time and stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah, getting them involved when we do some of the team stuff offensively is always a good thing that people like doing a practice. So our position players like it too, because they like to make fun of them when they oh, yeah. swing and miss. We had a guy that couldn't even hit off a tee. It was really, <laughs> really bad as a pitcher. And so, um, that's pretty yeah, nice. it's a fun time. Mm-hmm. No, it's and they walk up with the C flap and the Evo shield. Oh gosh, they got it all. They look they look so great when they go up there and then they take a swing, they just look so bad. Um, yep. Um, but that's why you're a PO. Mm-hmm. So this one I got from so my wife and I have been married now six years and we've started to do these thank you. We've started to do to do these table topic discussions just on a deeper level instead of just how was your day. So we'll pick out a couple of questions a day. And this one was one that I that I really thought was really good. So you're my first victim that I get to use this for. So what, what is something that you believe, and I curtailed it to our conversation, what's something that you believe that other coaches may disagree with you about? That's a good one for my wife too. I'll have to write that down as well. It's another <laughs> note here with my wife. Uh, something I believe in that's, that other coaches would probably disagree on, that it's okay to bunt. Mm-hmm. Bunting is okay. Like we're all going to survive if guys lay down bunts and play small ball and 
I just feel like, you know, every, every program is different. Every, every year is different. We've had guys that are really fast some year. We've been a fast team. We've stole a lot more bases and we've been top 10, in the country in that we've had times like this year where we had to create a lot of offense and, and get bunts down and move runners over. And we were, I think led the country in sack bunts. So the end, the end result is the goal of any offense is how many runs you score. Right. And so if we're still in the top 10 and runs scored, I don't really care how we do it. And and you can tell me all the numbers and data about that. And I think the big thing I see with bunting is a lot of the information comes from the pro level. You know, I don't think there's a lot of analytics out there for the college level. And I remember coastal Carolina when they won the national championship, I think they like led the country in home runs and sack bunts. So you can do kind of both things, but I think that's a, you know, the hitting Twitter universe, which you've seen before is pretty relentless and everyone's an expert and everyone has opinion and, an absolute. Uh, and everything's an absolute. And I just think there's just, there's more ways to do things and we have to be open for everything. So sure. I'm not against bunning. I'm not like, you know, we, we should never bun again, do this. Maybe there's some guys we shouldn't bun with and maybe there's a situation we shouldn't do. If we got a guy that runs well, we can steal a bag. But I think the goal is to score runs and however you do that, if you're successful with it, then that seems to work. Keep doing it. That's awesome. You've mentioned the ABCA and heads up baseball. Are there any sure. other of your favorite books or resources that you don't mind sharing? Yeah. Obviously, both those are huge resources for us. And for me, uh, podcasts like this one are big. I don't read a lot of books. I'm more of an audible guy where I just find books on tape and listen to them. You know, I have so many books in my list that I'm supposed to read that I have a copy of and haven't read yet, which is Mm -hmm. not very good for me. I would say the one would be John Gordon books. And most guys know Energy Bus and Training Camp and those kind of books. But that's something I think that is beneficial for, for programs, for coaches, and even players. We make our players read one of his books during winter break. That's their homework. And there's about three or four guys per book. They have to present it back to the team. And just the amount of guys that have never read a book in their whole life that sure. finally had to read a book or listen to a book. And then the impact that made on them, like, you know, Coach Energy Bus was amazing. Like, I just, I love this book. And this was like, they really put things in perspective for me. It gave me maybe a better why, why I'm doing things. And uh, it's just, it's crazy to see how many guys really like that exercise and they didn't know it. Now, maybe that have them read some more books, which obviously is beneficial for their development and learning about different things in, in areas. So, but yeah, we're, we, I'd say John Gordon being a guy that we do a lot of stuff with and read a lot of his books. Great one. Well, coach, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and I mean, you've spent an hour with this and I know that I've learned a ton. I know that our listeners have learned a ton, but if any of them want to reach out to you and ask you some different questions, maybe about some stuff that, sure. that you showed earlier or just anything in general, what would be the best way to do so? Uh, Sinclairathletics.com. Okay. That'd be our website. You'll find my information on there. Um, there's, there's good information about our program, everything you need there. And there's also, we just had a video series. Uh, we recently did a, a TV show just talks about okay. the program, gives some more information, which was really cool was we had 12 shows that Sinclair did on, on TV. And then we were one of them, just the baseball program. So Sinclair athletics is probably where you want to start for that for sure. And social media as well. I have a lot of guys that, you know, we put something on there, we'll start sending direct messages and stuff. And, you know, we're, obviously on that and be able to see those too. So I'm always willing to help out any way I can mm-hmm. and help keep growing the game and helping, helping guys help each other. Sure. Is there anything <clears throat> else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Well, if you want to keep me for one more hour, that would get me out of the call center. So uh, <laughs> if you need, if you need me for a part two or part three, let me know in the summer. Cause that's the eight to fiver, but oh, nice. uh, just that, you know, we have, a, we have a great staff here. We're very fortunate. Sinclair is one of the top community colleges in the country. Uh, we're in the league for innovations, which is one of the top schools academically and facility wise. And we've been able to build the baseball program up to, to mirror the school as you know, first class and nationally recognized and the coaching staff, which I mentioned most of their names, but Tom Bell, Terry Bell, Matt Richter, Mike Parr, uh, guys at Rick Castle was on our staff for years. 
And, and those guys have done such a good job. Jared Wellman, the chaplain, uh, Dr. Mark Humper, a sports psychologist, uh, Spencer, a trainer, even Defner, and then Caleb Swisher, our team manager. Like everyone has a role and we've been able to really have some good people in the program, which mm-hmm. I know our players are very appreciative of. And then finally, you know, as, as you know, the team that you work with is important, but the team at home is just as important, if more important. But my wife, Kristen, is is an awesome uh, person. She's a teacher, which is uh, great for us because she has, gets to have the summers off and be with our daughter, Harper, who's two and a half. But uh, just having her and her support and, and she's our number one fan and Harper, daddy coaches baseball, daddy coaches baseball. So every field we see, she thinks I'm coaching at. We drive by, oh, baseball, daddy's coaching. So that's cool. And, and hopefully we'll continue to build our family and, and you know, keep growing the Sinclair family as well. You know, the players that, that are still involved with us and the weddings we've gone to, that's such a big part of it. We've, we've been able to make such a positive impact on people's lives that, that they want to invite us to some of their most special days in their lives and um, just like to stay in touch with those guys too. So. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which could include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.